Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to a new episode of Field Days, an award-winning podcast about news and hot topics related to the Michigan Department of Corrections. Here are your almost witty hosts, Chris Gouts and Greg Straub. Hello and welcome to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. I'm Greg Straub, joined as always by the department's spokesperson, Chris Gouts. Chris, we have some really cool FOA information going on. We have friends from the UP joining us today to talk about some really good numbers they're seeing up there in terms of employment and offender success, right? Yeah, that's right. So we should probably have our, our special guests introduce themselves. Well, One it's is not, he... not only special. I mean, this is very special. Very special. Yes. So, so Kevin, why don't you tell everybody uh, who you are and, and what you do and then who you've got with you? Sure. It's Kevin Iatt, a field supervisor for the Central and Western UP. I'm also the community uh, co-chair for FOA on the steering team. I have Jason Sides with me, who is our uh, Region 1 Community Coordinator, who oversees uh, our resource specialists and uh, employment specialists and budget and all the good stuff like that. We were just talking, and, and uh, there were some new numbers that came out for, I believe, the annual numbers for offender success in the uh, regions all around the state. And uh, there were some really great numbers all around Michigan. But we really wanted to highlight what's going on in the, in the UP uh, because you guys have had some really great success. And I wonder if you could, uh, well, one, if you could just, for our listeners, explain what Region 1 is, what that all encompasses, uh, and then two, what you feel are some of the highlights that came out of uh, this report. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you for the opportunity. Uh, Region 1 encompasses the entire Upper Peninsula, all 15 counties, Chippewa County in the east, all the way over to Ontonagon, and everything in between. So we have a large geographic area. Uh, but as you mentioned, uh, we do have some, had some significant numbers come in in regards to our employment, especially for our contract year two, especially in our job placement rate, came in at 61.3%. That was our initial baseline was set last year at the end of contract year one at 44.3%. So there's a significant increase um, in our job placement numbers, and uh, we're extremely excited about that. Yeah, I guess talk a little bit more about you know these these job placement numbers and, and kind of where they were and and you've you've now kind of established a baseline and you're really really rising above that. It sounds like. Yeah, um, we've had some unique partnerships that have assisted with that. One in particular is Michigan Rehabilitation Services. We have a good partnership with that. They're able to provide some innovation grant funding so that we're able to leverage those services into not only training but also into employment skills and assisting returning citizens in obtaining a position and then maintaining that employment for the duration. So, Jason, I got, I got a quick question for you. So when we're talking about employment, like what kind of jobs are, are we looking at here? Are they, are they temporary jobs? Are they full-time, like career jobs? What, what are we talking about as far as jobs go? Uh, the positions that are counted in that number are technically what we call employed, and that's employment, anything above 30-plus hours a week. Um, anything below that is not factored into that number. So we do have many people that are, are employed under 29 hours per week, but they haven't obtained the, the 30 plus hours. So we're not counting those in that number. So um, these are actually considered full-time positions then. And it's in a variety of different service areas. Um, there's a lot of construction currently going on. Um, obviously, lumber yards, uh, forestry type positions, your service areas as far as food service, et cetera. So, you know, there has been a variety of different placements. And I just think that with more knowledge about the the services that we are providing, we are starting to see a lot more employers that are welcome to hiring returning citizens. And to piggyback off what Jason has said, I think one of the most impressive things is that this happened in the quarter 
from January through March. So in the UP, obviously, your three worst winter months showed our biggest jump in, in employment. Whereas typically, UP is more of a seasonal thing where we have uh, some uh, areas like Marquette and the Sault Ste. Marie and saving this, where they hire a number of high school students and so on that can't fill the positions because of the tourists. We were able to get this jump in the three worst uh, months of the winter. So I don't know how it worked that way, but I'm sure glad it did, and I think it's very impressive. Yeah, that's really important, uh, Kevin. I'm glad you mentioned that, although I was going to say that, and it sounds smart, so now I guess I'll just have to you know, continue it's talking Chris, to Greg, I, I, so that's let me, I sound smart by comparison. Let me, say, let me Greg, be the first but. one to say, Chris, uh, it's, it's hard for you to sound smart, but go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I, I, that really is a good point, and I know you've, you've, you touched on the percentages again, but I believe you said job placement was around 40-some percent as a baseline, but in that, those three months, it was, what, 80, 88? I mean, that's, that's really, really impressive. Yeah, from that previous quarter, from October to December, it was 42.9% to more than double. And granted, we're not talking huge number of people that when you're looking at a pool, but anytime there's a, that big of a jump, I think it's it's very impressive. We're all very, very happy. Uh, we talked about it. We just had our steering team meeting prior to this, and uh, everybody was very happy with the results uh, of how things are going in the right direction. Yeah, as they, as they should be, Kevin. So, Kevin, you know, me coming from the field, I, I understand the work that agents do, you know, to, to get employers to look at our parolees and probation population. You know, they have, they have their connections. They have their um, – they're out, always out talking to employers. But, Jason, from your perspective, what are you doing as far as offender success goes, not only to hire, you know, our, our parolees and probationers, but maybe to change their mind about and, and think about hiring returning citizens? compliment the staff that I have as far as doing the outreach, a couple job developers that we have on the eastern end and western end of the UP. You know, a lot of it is just cold calling some of these employers, bringing them the information, you know, are they willing to accept? And, and then there's a vetting process as far as we don't just take any returning citizen and place them in an open position. We want to make sure it's the right fit. Um, so I think that employers get on board with that concept, knowing that there is a supportive staff, not only the parole agents, the resource specialists and the job developers that are behind them. And again, going back to MRS, knowing that they have a network of people who are willing and able to support people that they plan to hire, bring into their into their fold. You know, we've tried a couple different other things as well. We recently had an employer forum uh, back in May. We were able to get the message out that, you know, the returning citizens are here. And with labor shortages, you know, across the nation, really, and in, in a lot of service sector jobs, they really need to start taking a look at some other avenues for filling those positions. Greg and, and, and Chris, from my perspective, with my 30 years with the DOC, back in the old days, there weren't many employers that were willing to hire felons. Right. Kind of what uh, Jason had just said about the labor force and the lack of it. The fact now that there are so many more employers that are willing to take a chance on felons, and I think the fact that they know that they have parole agents that are there in case there are problems, because the parole agents and also the employment specialists are working with these employers too. They feel a little more support that way and, and it's more of a two-way communication where if they're not showing up for work, they know they can contact the agent and the agent will, will try to find out what the issues are to keep them employed. Whereas in the old days, they would have probably just fired them and not bothered to call the agent. The parolee goes on without two weeks, they're supposed to notify their agent you know, immediately of any employment status uh, loss or gain, and, and they wouldn't do that. Whereas now that communication and that conduit between the two has helped a great deal 
and I think that's helped a lot in the last few years as well. If I could piggyback off that real quick as well, we do offer some employer incentives. If somebody's on the fence for hiring one of our guys, it's, you know, how can we incentivize this to, you know, to see if, if it will work or not. And oftentimes, you know, the, the returning citizen turns out to be one of the best people that they have on their staffs. The, the more that we tout what we're doing, I think we're going to continue to see that trajectory for our numbers continue to increase. I think Jason and, and, and your crew are doing a really great job, and, and Kevin, your, your agents are certainly doing really well. I was reading a really great story in the Mining Journal. We'll link to the story when we when we put out the podcast so people can read it. But, but Kevin, I, I wanted to salute you in your uh, change, how you've come about and think about offender success that, that was mentioned here. And you bought into what we're trying to do and, and obviously and see it works. And and you said that, you know, your agents are fully invested in helping offenders be successful. Uh, you're still holding them accountable for their behavior, but you're also giving them that helping hand. And that's why you and your team are here. That's why we're paid. And we're not just here to hammer people. Uh, that that kind of thinking is outdated, and we're here to help people. And I think, I think more and more that our staff, as well as the general public, are understanding that. And I think that attitude is reflected in these numbers that you're seeing, uh, along with the great work that the Jason and, and his team are doing. Well, what was going on previously wasn't working, yep. and it just wasn't. And if you continue to do business the same old way, and nothing changes for the better. Old school me, yeah, there was no doubt about that. And it took it took some time, but you come to realize they need some help. And if there can be some boots on the ground and some some conduits between the field agent and the offender and, and employers, again, it goes back to that support. I think the employers feel instead of just you know the old days where you would call and say, hey, go go apply at the fence company, uh, they'll hire felons, and uh, that would be the end of it. Whereas now people are the offenders are getting more more jobs that maybe they can make careers out of. Maybe they're stepping stones to careers, but at least they're working. As we all know how huge that is, that they need to have something to occupy their time to reason to get their butt out of bed in the morning and uh, reduces recidivism. And that's the whole reason we're here. I, I love that. Well said. But I also, you know, we, we've kind of touched the edges of, of your staff. You know, we've talked to Jason and his staff and what they're doing, you know, around the offender success, you know, the reentry model and We've talked a little bit about agents and kind of, you know, being the conduit, but, you know, really take a second, Kev, and, and, and talk about how awesome your staff are, you know, because they are working their butts off to get people employed. I, I know Jason's doing an awesome job, you know, getting the employers in and really talking and educating them. Give your staff up there because I, I, I know many, many of them, if not all of them, and they are hardworking faces of the Department of Corrections and just awesome people. So they, they are also doing a great job. They are, as you say, they are the faces of the Department of Corrections in almost every county. I mean, I guess... When you think Marquette, people think Marquette Branch Prison, uh, Barraga, they might think Barraga Max, Alger Max, and Munising, and so on and so forth. But these are the, the, the people that are out in the community that have met with employers, that are dealing with substance abuse counselors, mental health counselors, law enforcement, and so on and so forth. And they're the ones that had to help to try to turn attitudes as well, because a lot of people had the same attitude, I think, that, that I did years ago of, well, you know, do the crime, do the time. Uh, you need to go out and find your own job, uh, you know, stand on your own two feet, so on and so forth. You, you, you should be able to do things on your own. And where now I kind of soften that stance and realize they do need that help. And the agents have been very good out in the community uh, touting the offender success and what we as a state are doing to change people's perceptions and also change the thinking of the offenders to make the whole community safer in each community that they live in because as they've been telling people the public 
they're eventually going to come out. 95% of people are going to come out of prison. Would you rather just have them max out and walk out the door without any help and, or not, and not be on parole? Or we come out and give them opportunities to be successful? Because obviously these people are, have not been very successful in their lives. The decisions that they made have brought them to where they're at now. And so if we can help them change that mindset a little bit when they come out in the community and realize that agents are not against them, law enforcement is not against them, Believe it or not, we all want them to succeed. We want them to be successful. Want them to be a productive member of society, a tax-paying member of society. It's a win-win for everybody. That's what the whole goal is. It's not to you know trail them, nail them, and jail them, and catch them. And go, aha! I knew you were doing this. And no, that's not what agents are are doing. Maybe that was the thinking many years ago, but I think that perception has changed, and the offender success has it's been around for how many years now? And I'm sure there are probably some agents around the state that are still not on board, and I get that because there are hundreds of agents. I get it. But when you realize and look and see what the numbers are, and the numbers are are showing that they're being more successful, and, again, employment is just such a huge positive, and it reduces uh, recidivism as well as drug usage and things like that. Maybe make their self-esteem a little better about having employment and so on and so forth. Getting positive strokes instead of getting yelled at all the time. Always negative every time they report, you're not doing this, you're not doing that. Well, I'm very proud of my staff, yeah. all the agents in the UP. I, I really am. You mentioned the agents being a conduit. They're more of a catalyst for us as the service provider. We don't do anything without the agent first initiating that referral. So I think that, you know, as more agents become comfortable with the services that we're able to provide, they're seeing that we're able to get gainful employment and that folks are maybe maintaining a little bit better on parole more after they're going to use our services. So, you know, I really think that there has been a paradigm shift as far as that goes, seeing nothing but success out of it. It really, it's really great to hear this is happening in the UP and, you know, downstate, we just had an event where we announced a huge partnership with DTE Energy and their executive chairman was there with the director and the governor. And he said something that I'm certainly going to, to use uh, often, and you guys should feel free because you're pretty much living it right now. He said a criminal record shouldn't bring with it a lifetime sentence of unemployment, but too often it does. And I think that's exactly uh, what I think maybe some people years ago uh, thought that that should, that should mean, and it's certainly not anymore. And you guys are a real testament to that and all the employers that you're bringing in. We couldn't be more proud of all the work that you're doing. So keep it up. Keep us updated on, on how things are going. Thank you and thank your staffs for, for all they do and for helping us and thank you guys for being on this week's episode of field days podcast well thank you chris thank you greg for having us on i appreciate you giving us the opportunity to trumpet what kind of positives that we have going on i really do thank you well chris it's always fun to have uh you know one of our favorite guests on and that is kevin Iatt from the up but we you love know, kevin. In, in all honesty that's those are some pretty good numbers they're they're pulling up there with employment it's, it's a tough area to get employed and I mean, somebody's doing something right up there. I wouldn't necessarily say Kevin's doing something right, but somebody's doing something <laughs> right would. up there. We love Kevin. Yeah, we do love Kevin. This is a big week for FOA. Um, you know why, I'm sure. Uh, That's a question. I do, I, I think. Yep. There's something going on. There's a week it's a whole of week. some kind, a whole week. It's a whole week where it is dedicated by our organization, that, and that is the APPA, the American Probation and Parole Association. They designate a whole week for our profession, and that's parole probation agents. And uh, that's this week. And it's, in, in all honesty, it, agents should be appreciated every day. And they the, are. For the work that they do. Um, you guys do a very good job of that. Yeah. And, uh, but, they, but they do. They get this week. And, you know, we take, I know a lot of offices take time out to do some special things. 
Some do things all week. Some offices do things for a day. They have a potluck. I know some offices that have something every day. When I was a supervisor at Lansing Parole, I remember offices doing like we things at lunch, um, we bowling competitions, and uh, just a lot of fun stuff to do. Just, just to... really dated yourself too. Nobody has. I know. Anymore. I said we. I know. Yeah. What, is, what is the cool thing? Right. Say it. PlayStation. Super board. Nintendo. The Super Nintendo. Um, but yeah, so I know I know staff do a lot of a lot of great stuff this week to recognize you know supervisors recognizing the work the agents are doing. So you know, kudos to everybody out there. Thank you so very much for the work that you do because it is so important. It has such an impact on so many people. It's not a not a normal job, Chris. It's not just a go to work do the same thing kind of job. So you have a huge impact on human beings, and um, we can't thank you enough for the work that you do. For folks in a number of offices around the state, they'll be seeing uh, yourself and Deputy Director Marlin and uh, maybe some folks from, from my office uh, going around uh, doing some tours, too. You're so. actually going to give some love to FOA for once, Chris? We, yeah, we are. We, I always that's, do. You that's know me. good. No, I know you do. <laughs> I joke. I joke. But, uh, yeah, no, you guys do give a lot of um, props to FOA, and uh, we appreciate that very much. So it's, it's, it's going to be nice to... So yes, we'll be out. We'll be doing some mobile uh, podcasting. So when we go out to offices uh, next week, we're going to be asking agents, you know, why they what they love about being an agent and we'll uh, put those all together that's the plan at least and then we'll share those with everybody uh next week so they can hear uh from people from around the state yeah that'll be fun and last week i know you attended chris the uh i own your free fair what rides did you go on any did not go on any sorry i was, it was so what did you go there for then well i went there uh same reason you did for the uh the governor's luncheon so uh it was the first time that uh, governor whitmer uh, had attended. We've been there for a number of years in the past when uh, Governor Snyder or Lieutenant uh, Governor Kelly uh, has been there. It's always, it's always a really nice event. And uh, what's great about it, too, is that, you know, it's in Ionia. So we've got four facilities there. And uh, I think we had three full tables full of MDOC staff from uh, wardens, deputy wardens, uh, a bunch of staff. And uh, the governor was very kind and mentioned us uh, in her remarks. A few times, actually, yeah. Yeah, a few times. And then took a picture uh, with, with the whole crew. Uh, so that was really nice. You probably see that on social media. So it's really important for our staff to understand and, and see that, you know, the governor takes time out of her schedule, one, to come to this event, but then two, to specifically uh, point out our staff and for all the things they do. So that's always really nice. Yeah. And I know uh, Director Washington was out traveling around last week, wasn't she? I think I saw. Yeah. She wasn't able to be there right. because she was up in the UP on, on a UP swing. So she toured Barriga, Alger, and uh, Marquette facilities. Had a great time. I heard a lot of great reports. Saw some pictures on social media that I'm sure everybody else has, has seen by now. She also stopped over at the new Officer Recruit Academy for the UP. And uh, you know who the, the new class is named after. Yes, one of, one of the greats in FOA, Denise Salisbury. Yeah, friend of the pod. So it'll yeah. be great to see her again in, in about two months or so when uh, when the graduation happens. And and then also, because she didn't just go up there to tour prisons, she had planned on stopping at some field offices, but she wasn't able to because all of the agents were at uh, Northern Michigan University for motivational interview training. Oh. So she went over to Northern Michigan and met with the staff and, and, and watched some of the MI training. So I did not she, know got that. A, she got a full... Uh, breadth of uh, everything that's going on in the up and i uh, had a really uh, really great trip so yeah that's cool I'm, I'm glad some FOA staff got to mingle with her and talk with her especially during mi training that's uh yeah you know that's coming soon stuff. to a place near you hopefully um i know a lot of staff have already in FOA have already completed both sessions so yeah we're we're rocking and rolling and uh good stuff i'm, I'm glad that she was uh, able to get around in the up well chris you got anything else that uh, is going on across the department or you got what do you want to wrap this up I think we should probably wrap this up. You know, we're we're out and about this week for PPPS week, so we gotta we gotta hit the, the next office That's and right. uh, get back on the road. All right, we'll stay tuned next week to a new episode of Field Days Podcast. All right, as always, thank you for listening. We'd love it if you would help us spread the word about the podcast. You can do that by subscribing to the show on iTunes and leave us a review. 
You can always follow the department on Facebook at MI Corrections and on Twitter at Michigan DOC, as well as the FOA account at MDOC FOA and the CFA account at MDOC CFA. And you can send any questions you have to the show using the hashtag AskFieldDays. Until next time, thanks for tuning in to Field Days Podcast.